side. Hey, I want to welcome everybody here today at First Church. So good to have you. I want to say welcome out to our Stone Canyon and uh, Verdigris campuses and everybody that's online with us, and especially if you're first time with us. Uh, we're glad that you're here. I wish uh, the other two campuses could have just seen the incredible enthusiasm that was just in this room. I hope you're a little more enthusiastic out there. But anyway, um, yes, we are uh, wrapping up our Inspired series, uh, Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be over in Matthew chapter 7. If you want to get your Bibles there, we're going to be there here in just a second as uh, we uh, jump into this, okay? Uh, and just a little bit of context, uh, important that we always establish that. And, um, you know, where we're at in Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been preaching. And uh, we, this is the beginning of His ministry. And He has began His ministry with this simple message repent for the kingdom of heaven is near and he's really saying hey repent change change the way you are change the way you think it's going to change everything about you because he's saying i'm a different kind of king i have a different kind of kingdom and those who follow me are going to be different all right, and so that's what we've been over the last several weeks, and we've been unpacking this whole sermon as he's been telling us all the different ways that we're called to be different as followers of Jesus, all right? And if you've missed any of those, go back, check them out, and uh, see where we've been, okay? Um, Jaden, my son, uh, he's going to be a junior playing on the Owasso Ram football team, which there's high hopes, Woo. Um, uh, and, uh, and and this past this weekend, there's a tournament going on. And as he's did that yesterday, and actually he's got to go back and do some more today in this tournament. Um, it's kind of got my football juices going again. Well, I mean, it's the off season, you know. It's kind of like, yeah, I was, there's a clap, I was, you know. Over there. Um, you know, it's kind of like, oh, when's it going to get here? What do we do on Friday nights and the Saturday afternoons and Sunday afternoons? You know, right? Um, but I want to start off just talking about a football player that probably most of you know, uh, Tom Brady. Anybody know who Tom Brady is? Any New England? <laughs> I knew the Chitwoods were going to be in here. Um, New England Patriots. Um, Tom Brady is their quarterback, and uh, if you know much about uh, Tom Brady, you know that he's probably, uh, some would consider to be the greatest quarterback ever, okay? Um, others would not. Uh, but um, anyway, he's one of those guys that uh, seems like he's got it all. Well, we talked about several weeks ago, treasure in heaven and treasure on earth, and we talked about what you're all, and you know, some, some would look at his life and think, man, he's got it all. He's got the money. He's got the fame. He's got the Victoria's Secret model wife. I mean, Really, I mean, he's, a lot would say he's got it all, you know, and on top of that, he's this incredible quarterback. Several years ago, he was interviewed, um, and this was back before he had four Super Bowl rings. He only had three Super Bowl rings at this point, and, uh, but in this interview, he said something that floored a lot of people, pretty much everybody who was watching that interview, and this is what he said in that interview he said, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I've reached my dream, my goal, my, my life is me, and I think, God, there's got to be more than this. Again, <laughs> by the world's standards, he's... He's living the dream. 
I mean, he's, he's got it all. He, three now, four Super Bowl rings, money, uh, fame, uh, accomplishments, Victoria's Secret wife. I mean, you, just, you go down the list and you think, wow, he's got it all. I mean, he's, he's a quarterback that many will say was one of the greatest, if not the greatest in history. He's, he's a quarterback that little boys today look up at and go, wow, one day I want to be Tom Brady. Think about this. Sunday afternoons, game day. He walks into the stadium, 70, 80,000 people are chanting, Brady, Brady, Brady. I mean, does that happen to you when you go to work? I mean, do your coworkers just line the halls and park? Hey, Chuck, Chuck, Chuck. You know, do they? Probably not. But yet, with all of his accomplishments and all that he has, he makes that statement. I think, God, there's got to be more than this. Really? Yet the path that he is on is the path that so many in this world today long to be on, strive to be on. You see, at some point in his journey, Tom apparently began to believe that if he had all the money, if he had all the fame, if he had all that he has today, then he would find satisfaction. He would find the ultimate life. But when he has finally found it, all he is left with is confusion. Because this is not what I believed. This is not what I've been told. This is not how I had planned it to be. And now he's left only continuing to search for something more. Have you ever been there? You believed one thing, but it did not line up to how you actually experienced life. Let me ask you this question. What is it that you are believing in? What is it that you are trusting on? What is it that you are building your life upon? Maybe hoping that one day you'll finally get to that place where oh, it all makes sense. It all comes together. This is awesome. What are you building your life on? That's really, I think, where Jesus wants to take us today. After all that he's been talking about, this life that's going to be different, here's, here's how you're to live. He's going to wrap it up. Really, I believe today he's kind of establishing the bottom line. Here's, here's the bottom line. If you're going to follow me, you're going to be different. You're going to have a different life, a different lifestyle, and a different goals in this life. And so Jesus here is beginning to wrap up his entire sermon. And it's almost like he is drawing all of his listeners here. You know, he's got his disciples here. He's got the crowd around them. And he's been preaching. And now it's almost like he's kind of getting down to a quiet. You know, us, us preachers kind of do that at the end of our sermons. You know, it's kind of like bringing you in. You know, it's like, oh. And that's kind of what, what I hear him doing. He's like, okay, listen, I, 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 let me just wrap this up. I, I, I just want to tell you just a few more things here. And it's going to make it, it's going to just bring it all together. And then he begins to say, if you're going to believe in me, 
Not like everybody else. Everybody else is believing, like Tom, or believing all the things of this world, they're going to bring satisfaction and, 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 and help, you know, fulfillment in this life. But, but, but if you're going to believe in me, if you're going to trust in me, things are going to be different. And if you're going to believe in me, it starts with this, we will travel a different path. If we're, if we're going to believe in Jesus, if we're going to believe on Him, if we're going to trust in Him, if we're going to make Him upon which we build our lives, we're going to travel a different path. That's where He takes them first. We're on a different path. We're on this journey. And that's the fact. Every one of us, and you've heard life described this way, we're on a journey, all right? We're, we're traveling this road, this life that we're in. And so Jesus takes us there. And he says, hey, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to believe in me, you're going to take a different path. Look at verse 13 and 14 with me here. It says this, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. You know, in this journey, there's really two choices. There's really just two paths. Now, some will say, no, there's a, it's a plurality of choices. I mean, there's so many gods out there, so many ways that you can live this life, and they all kind of end up in the same place, right? No. Jesus tells us there's, there's really two paths. Now, one, the first one is wide. He describes it as wide. It's welcoming, okay? It's easier, it's, and it's well-traveled. Many, he says, many have taken that path. But where does it end? It ends in destruction. Even in this life, it seems that that path, it's that path that leads to unsatisfaction. Always wanting more. Always more, more, more. I need more, more, more. And never finding the fulfillment. And ultimately, destruction. Ultimately, eternal death is where that one leads. And he says that's where many go. That's where most go. But the other gate, he says, is narrow. It's a narrow gate, and it's a difficult path. It's a difficult journey. He says it's hard. And he says this, only a few find it. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, it's, it's a little harder to find. A lot of people miss it. A lot of people don't see it, or maybe they don't want to see it. It doesn't sound appealing. I mean, it's a harder path. Why would you want to take that path? Less people are going there. It's just not, it's just not a popular way to travel, a popular way to go. But it's that path, that narrow gate that we go through that leads to what he calls life. And again, I, I believe there's life on this side of heaven and on the next side, and, and I believe that's the path that goes to abundant life, that fulfillment, that John 10, 10, I came that you might have life and life abundantly. That's the life that he desires for us to have, and we get to experience on this little narrow path. That's a hard path. It's difficult. doesn't say it's going to be easy. It's going to be filled with challenges. But the ultimate end is eternal life in heaven. And so he's saying here, you've, you've heard my teaching, you've heard my call to repent, you've heard what I've, uh, I've called you to live by, how to, how to live differently. Now the choice is yours, which way will you choose? And then he goes into a challenge. He says, don't, don't be deceived though. Don't be deceived by others who will 
try to get you to go the wrong way. Look at verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Beware. Watch out for these who he calls false prophets, those who are leading people astray, leading followers of Jesus astray. They look like you. They're dressed like you. But on the inside, on the inside, they're not like you. They're not following me. They're only trying to lead people astray. They're causing disunity and dissension in the body and leading people down the wrong path. And he says, watch out. So we might say, oh, if we're supposed to watch out, then how do we recognize them? Well, he answers that. Look at verse 16 following. It says this, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. How do we see them? We look at their life. We look at their fruit. He gives us a, a metaphor in horticulture here to, to help us get our minds around this whole idea of fruit. Fruit, often when it's talking about the Bible, is talking about, about our, our conduct and character. He says, look at a person's life and look at their conduct. Look at their character. Look what comes out of their life. What is their life producing? What does bad fruit look like? I think Paul talks about that over in Galatians chapter 5 whenever he, he lists off the things of this world and how people act. And he says this, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, and I warn you before, uh, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a pretty good list. Actually, it's a pretty bad list. A bad fruit. So these are, these are the things you'll see. And in the context of what Jesus is talking about, about people that are among us in the body of Christ... What, what might come off of that list would be things like those who are causing dissensions and divisions and, and envious within the body. We've got to watch out. Don't be one who's causing division and dissension because that's bad fruit. Back and forth, causing disunity in the body. It says watch out for that. Instead, there ought to be good fruit. Look for those. We all should be striving to be those who have good fruit in our life. What does that look like? Well, that's the very next verse there in Galatians chapter 5. Paul talks about verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the things that ought to be coming out of, out of our life. And so, as a result of believing in Jesus and following Him, those fruit ought to come forth. And so Jesus says, don't be deceived by those they're trying to lead you astray, trying to lead you down the wrong path. But secondly, he says, but don't be self-deceived. Don't be deceived by others, but don't be self-deceived. Look at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Basically, words are cheap. <laughs> Those who say to me, Lord, Lord, it's easy to say, well, Lord, Lord. But he says, not all of them. This is a scary verse for some. But he says, the one who does the will of my Father. 
And this is much of what Jesus has been talking about through this whole sermon. Followers of Jesus are to be different. And as we live out God's will in our life, we will be different from the rest of the world. And it's not just giving God lip service. Showing up on Sunday and singing a few little songs. Well, I don't really pay attention to the words, but it's got a good little melody to it. And, you know. No, but Jesus, what he demands is righteousness. And as we've established early on in the sermon, as Jesus established for us, it's a righteousness that we cannot attain on our own. It's a righteousness, righteousness that en envelops the whole person. And, and it's a righteousness that we can only gain through Jesus. When he imputes that upon us, we receive it from him. As we have placed our faith in him, we're made righteous. That's what he demands of us. And our righteous life actions then are a result of that. Receiving from him. It's not by that by which we earn our way into heaven. But those that Jesus talked about seem to believe that they have got it all figured out. Look at verse 22 there in Matthew 7. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? What's he saying? Well, religious activity is not, does not seem to be a sign of salvation. Uh, and many are dependent on it today. Many are, many are hoping that when we get to heaven, we can give Jesus our attendance record at church. Look at all the Sundays I spent at church. Look at all the ministries I served in. Look at how many sermons I've preached. And Jesus, I don't think he's going to be too concerned about that list. What he's going to be concerned about is, have we received... The righteousness that was only made available through Jesus. Look at verse 23. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. The issue is all about relationship. Are we walking in a relationship with Jesus? And not only is it do you know him, but does he know you? Or are you a stranger to him because you don't spend time in his word and spend time with him in prayer? We can go through all the motions, the motions of living out this life. We can have the appearance of being a follower of Jesus. But what's on the inside? Are you walking in relationship with him? And Jesus here saying, don't deceive yourself to think make yourself think well as long as i'm going to church on sunday no so much more than that it's walking in a relationship with him so jesus says don't be deceived by others don't even deceive yourself choose the right path if we believe jesus we're going to travel a different path and the next thing and really the last thing that jesus lands on as if we believe Jesus we will build upon a different foundation we will build upon a different foundation 
Jesus is, again, making his final appeal here. Uh, very familiar text for many. Look at verse 24 there in Matthew 7. Everyone then who hears these words of mine, what words are he talking about? Everything he's just been saying since like Matthew 5, all right? All these words. You've heard them, all right? Every the, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Those listening to Jesus that day had two choices, just like we do, and their choices was this. Number one, he said, you have a choice. Which path do you want to take? Number two, second choice is, do you want to believe me or not? Are you going to build your life upon what I've taught you, the truth that I've given you, or not? And let me illustrate it for you. And he tells this story about these two builders. Now, there's some similarities between these two builders, these two men. Uh, number one, they both had the same desire. They wanted to build a house. They wanted to have, uh, have, have security. They wanted to have, have uh, some protection over them of some sort. He doesn't go into, into uh, uh, details, what kind of house, what it was going to be built out, out of, but they had that same desire. They wanted to have a house, security in their life. They also had the same warning. They heard from the same building contractor. They, they heard that, yeah, you need, to, you need to build over here. Don't build over there. They both heard that same message. And they both seemed to face the same storm. They must have been living in the same vicinity because when Jesus describes the storm, he uses the exact same terminology. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against their houses. But that's pretty much where the similarities stop. From there on, it's all contrasts. One was wise and one was foolish. Literally, the word foolish is the word we get the word moron. Building engineer told them where to build and where not to build. And one was wise, one was foolish. Next contrast, one built on the rock, one built on the sand. One listened, one did not. One was wise, again, one was foolish. And then lastly, one house did not fall and the other house fell with a great, great fall. I like how Jesus points out the wise man's house and why it stood. He didn't point out why the foolish man's house fell, it was built on sand, but he does take the moment to just point out, because it had been founded on the rock, what's the rock? In context, it's the truth of the words of Jesus. God's word is our rock this man believed, and his house stood solid. What's that mean? Location, location, location. It's important where you build your house. It's important that you build your life upon the words of Jesus, the word of God that he has given to us. What are you building your life upon? What are you depending on to see you through this life, to give you stability, to give you strength when the storms come? Are you building on self-righteousness? Jesus talked about that early on in his sermon. Are you, built on, are you building your, uh, your, your foundation? Is it on your self-righteousness, all the good that you've done? Are you building up on the treasures of this earth? Jesus talked about that. Remember that? Are you storing up here and that's your, that's your security and that's what everything is founded upon? And, and you, that man... 
You've got a foundation that you're building up, but it can be wiped away like that. What are you building your life upon today? See, if you want to survive the storms that come at us in this life, if you want to remain standing after the storms come, it's going to take a solid foundation. We know that. We live in Oklahoma where our foundations crack, right? We all need a solid foundation. And Jesus here is saying, my word is the solid foundation. My word won't move. My word stands up to the storms of life. Tony Evans says this about, about this text. He says, application, not information of divine truth will hold you steady. Do you hear that? Application, not information. That we not just listen to God's Word and, and take it in and think, well, that sounded neat, but that we would actually apply it to our lives. We would live out these words that Jesus has given to us. And that is, gives us the foundation for our lives. You see, your faith in Jesus, really this, your foundation in this life, and your faith in Jesus is revealed in the storm. I believe that's why we face storms. Because it identifies what we're standing upon. Proverbs 10.25 says, When the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. Have you ever faced a storm in your life? Have you ever faced a storm? Are you in a storm? Some storms are quick, they're microbursts, boom, they do some damage, but they're gone. Others are long. Some of you have experienced those. They're more than days, they go in the weeks and months, maybe even years, and it's a long storm. But do you remain standing on the foundation of God's Word, finding your hope and your joy in Him? You see, when you stand on His Word, no matter what storm comes, you can stand. We have some incredible examples in our own church family of people who have weathered the storms. People who have, um, they've been hit head on. And they've remained standing. And they are a testimony among us. And there's many uh, among us who we could bring up on stage and and have you share your story of living through the storm and seeing the power of Jesus and the power of His Word get you through it. One of those stories is Julie Edwards. Julie is one that uh, uh, sings often here at our North Garnett campus, uh, plays keyboard for us here, has been out at Vertigris, I know, um, uh, realtor in our community, uh, incredible family. And uh, last year, she was hit by a storm she never saw coming. Watch this. Well, Joe John and I met on a blind date. Um, I was a student at ORU, and he had just graduated, and we were set up by mutual friends. And really, I have to say, it was love at first sight, for me, anyway. And we were married about nine months later. One thing that really attracted me to Joe John was that he was a very spiritual person, but he didn't come across that way. He was very fun-loving and easy to be around, but very spiritual, so he had a heart very tender toward God. No matter if it was a good time or a bad time, we always turned to God. 
Joe John had never been sick, and um, so it was very unexpected and, and suddenly. We had taken our youngest daughter, Tessa, to OU. We had just moved her in, and we had just had dinner with her and said goodbye, and were headed home. And he said to me, just um, out of the blue, he said, I, I think I'm gonna faint. Somehow I got over on the, his side and, and steered the truck over to the road and put the brakes on. And, and I uh, looked at him, just quickly assessed what I could, and I just started giving him CPR. Then I called 911 in between, but uh, I believe that he passed away very quickly, and I believe that he was gone before the ambulance ever arrived. I have felt like I've been kind of encased in this supernatural love and grace, you know, and um, I have to honestly say, I have not been mad at God. I have been, I've questioned why I've been asked to walk the rest of my life out without my best friend and you know, the love of my life. The person who loved me more than anyone on this earth, you know, and there's a loss there. It's, it's, and that's devastating. But God is faithful and trustworthy. It was actually just a couple of weeks after Joe John passed away that I just continued leading worship on my regular rotation. It's how I love to serve God, and I believe that that's what He has asked me to do. My mom has always been a worshiper, and every morning for years that I can remember, she's gotten up, oh, 5 a.m., 5.30, and then she'll have her quiet time for in an hour. Um, she gets a quiet space, worships, and she reads the Word, and that's what she's always done, that's what she knows to do, and no matter what has happened, she continues to do it. God is my father. He loves me more than anyone could. His plan for me may not be what I think it should because if he asked me, I would, I would have Joe John here um, to walk out my days. But his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts so I choose to trust him and to love him there's a scripture that says I'm like a tree planted by a riverbank bearing fruit each season and my leaves never wither and I prosper in all I do I can I should and I want to bear fruit even in this season of great loss Judge and I used to joke about, we are not fair weather fans. It's like, we're gonna trust and worship God, whether it's the good times or the bad times. Bearing fruit each season is important to me, and I want to be successful in this season, bearing good fruit. Whatever my lot, He has taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Julie has been a uh, tremendous example to us here. Maybe you, uh, if you knew the situation a year ago, whenever that all happened, and to see her, she talked about, come back up on this stage and, and lift her hands in worship and her voice in worship and, and 
it was, it was just amazing to watch her faith. And it's continued to be amazing. If, if you think that she's, uh, that she's out of that storm, you'd, you'd be silly. As she said, she says she's in that season still. She's still going through it. But her faith is strong. You heard it in her story. She, scripture just comes out of her. And it's that scripture, it's that word of God, his truth that, that she stands upon. That her family is standing upon as they continue to, to weather the storm. What are, you, what are you standing upon? Where is it that you find your strength? What is it that you're depending on for stability in this life? Sometimes we, we put our marriages in that place, our spouses in that place, our kids in that place, our careers in that place. So many of the things in this world that we try to put in that place and we use as a foundation and and that's when our world begins to crumble, when things don't go the way we thought they would go, the way we believed. And we're left like Tom Brady. What we believe didn't pan out. Listen, the only foundation that is unmovable, unshakable, is the truth of Jesus. The truth that we find in the Word of God. That is the foundation that we must build our lives upon. Do not be de deceived by anybody else who claims otherwise. And do not be self-deceived to think that you've got it all figured out. We all need to examine our foundations. Do we have any cracks? Is it crumbling? then we're not built on the foundation of Jesus. What are you building your life on? There is no more secure foundation for this life than the truth of God's Word. Let's all examine ourselves and make sure that's what we're building on. You have a choice. Every one of us have a choice. What will you build your life on? Father in heaven, God, we thank you for your truth. For your truth that is immovable, that is unshakable. Your truth that we can stand upon and trust in. God, we pray, it's our prayer right now, that you would help us to look at our lives, to examine our lives, and to see what we're truly building our lives upon. So God, bring that conviction and bring that clarity to us, God. And God, we pray that you would place it in our hearts, that desire to only find our strength and stability in you and your truth. God, help us to stand firm in you. Be with us, God, as we face the storms that rage, the storms that come against us. As we travel this path, this, this difficult path, God, help us to remain steady and strong, standing upon your word, on your truth. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.